Well, you are going to love my message today. I just really believe that you're going to love it. How many of you think you're already going to love it and you don't even know what's going to be on it? Okay. I think I'll turn around backwards while I tell you what it is. Today I'm going to teach on suffering. Now, you know, I really tried to put a cute title on this and I just couldn't come up with anything. So I just thought I'd call it what it is. You know, we all suffer, don't we? And so if we're going to do it, we might as well learn how to do it right. We might as well learn how to do it and get some value out of it while we're on our way. We go through things. It's interesting. I began to realize that Bible preachers and teachers, you know, it's hard to even use that word when you're in the pulpit, to be honest, because people just don't like it. They don't like the word. They don't like the thought of doing it. If there's anything we'd love to get out of in life, it's any kind of suffering or discomfort. And so we've come up with new phrases. Several of them aren't even in the Bible, but it's when you're going through something, now the Bible talks about that, when you're struggling, when you're having difficulty, when you're experiencing opposition, when you have a challenge. And I got to thinking about that and I thought, why do we have such a hard time just saying when you're suffering? And so I did a little word study and I found out that in the King James translation, the word suffering or suffer is in there 165 times. The Amplified Bible ramps it up a little. It's in there 175 times. I looked at one of the most modern, most popular translations, and it's only in there 59 times. And I thought, well, isn't it interesting? I hope that we don't modernize the truth out of the Word and get to the point where people don't really know what to expect and aren't prepared for it. You see, I don't apologize for talking about this today, although I did try to get out of it. I did. At one point I was studying this and I thought, oh God, I don't want to go there and do that. I don't want to do that. And uh, so I went back, I've got this whole two cabinets full of messages that I've taught over the years. And not that I just go and pull out a message, but sometimes it'll spark an idea in me. So I went back to my messages and I looked at everything and I got this one out and that one out. And I can always tell what's right because it clicks or it doesn't. And it's just like, no, that's not right. That's not right. And I finally just said to God, you're going to make me go do this, aren't you? <laughs> and so I just want you to know if you don't like this message today, you talk to God about it because he's the one that's making me do it. Suffering means to leave or to permit, to bear with, or to stay under. <laughs> you know, the first thing we want to do when we're suffering is we want to run. We want to get away from it, some way, shape, or form. But you know what? You got to go through the hard part to get to the good part. And that's really the main thought that I want to leave you with today. You got to go through the hard part to get to the good part. And that doesn't mean the hard part's always fair. Life is not always fair, but God is fair. God is a God of justice, and that's one of my favorite things about the character of God. And justice means that he always makes wrong things right. God always makes wrong things right if, everybody say if, if. we trust him, and if we handle the wrong thing in the right way. See, so often we don't respond in a godly way when we're going through things like that. And then we just have to keep going through it over and over and over and over in the hopes that eventually we will get it. You know, I've suffered so much in my soul in the early years of my walk with God and in the early years of this ministry. And I can actually say that I suffered more when I started trying to grow up in God than I did before I cared. Maybe you know what I mean by that. It's like, I was happy sinning. I mean, I really wasn't happy doing it, but it was like, it's not hard on your flesh to sin. 
And so when I really got into a serious walk with God and back in the 70s, I was filled with the Holy Spirit and man, I started reading the word. And you know, when you, when you really study the word, you start seeing what a mess you are. You finally have to stop blaming it on somebody else and take a look at yourself because the word of God is like a mirror. And you see Christ in there and you see how far you have to go. So if, if we're smart and we really love God and we want to do this thing right, we'll start praying, God, change me. Well, oh, honey, that's a dangerous thing to pray. Oh, God, change me. And then we have these, oh, break me, God. Break my heart with what breaks your heart. Make me just like you, Jesus. Oh, man, I feel the pain already. And I, I just... I mean, I just had this pain in my soul all the time, especially like when God would tell me, you know, that's really not Dave's fault, it's your fault. Well, I didn't want it to be my fault. I wanted it to be Dave's fault. And I wanted God to deal with Dave. I didn't want him to deal with me all the time. I remember one time going to Dave and saying, is God dealing with you about anything? Because I was going through such a hard time and I just wanted to know that God was in Dave's face too. Dave, is God dealing with you about anything? He looked at me, he said, well, I don't think so. <laughs> How many of you know what I'm talking about? Sometimes you just think, God, can't you pick on anybody besides me? Am I the only one that's got a problem? And so I went through so much all the time. And you know what? I don't really go through that much anymore. Now. That doesn't mean that my life is perfect or that I don't have problems. If, if any of you were here from the first service, you heard me read my list of 34 things that happened in eight weeks, none of which were fun. But honestly, they didn't bother me all that much because you see, now I want you to hear what I'm gonna say. A lot of our suffering is connected to how we respond. Somebody over here thinks they understand me. See, I said that and somebody went. <laughs> See, honestly, how we respond, we can make a bigger deal out of things than what they are. I mean, is it really the end of the world if I don't get my way about something? Do I really have to get mad at Dave for three weeks over that and be depressed and feel sorry for myself? But that's what I used to do. And I suffered. When you get a sweet attitude, you put yourself in God's hands and you start to really trust him and believe that he's got a good plan for you, a lot of that stuff goes away. The more spiritually mature we become, the more we grow up in God. And it's not easy growing up in God, but the more we grow up in God, the more peaceful our lives become. And so I am just pleading with you today the Apostle Paul said things to the saints and he said, I beg you for Christ's sake. And so I'm pleading with you today, whatever God is trying to do in your life right now, even if you don't understand it, don't run away from it, trust God, let him do what he wants to do in you so you can have the life that he really wants you to have. Amen. Now, I got something really funny to read you. I brought one of my journals from 1989. Lord have mercy. <laughs> now I'm gonna let you into my personal life for a few minutes. We're gonna be really close after this. <laughs> December the 26th, 1989. Well, Christmas is over, God is good. From a spiritual standpoint, I've been having a really rough time. A lot of things going on for a while that I've just been saying, oh, well, I'm going to cast my care and it's, everything's going to be okay. But today, everything just blew up in my face. Dave and I had a discussion that wasn't good. That means we had a fight. <laughs> he feels I have to have control or I'm not satisfied. I feel he's wrong and being very unfair. We have a very hard time communicating when we differ in our opinions. But this was the last straw, so to speak. And everything I've been feeling, but casting my care about came tumbling in on me, so here it is. I've been having a hard time getting my messages, at least much harder than usual. I've been having a hard time hearing from God. I've been feeling very little anointing. 
It seems that the more I've pressed into the Spirit, the more God hides himself and requires me to go strictly on faith alone. Is anybody relating to anything I'm saying? Okay. I just had a surgery and now I've got one more to go. Our, our attendance in our meetings has fallen off because we're in the holiday season. I've had a lot of weird feelings. My mind is lazy, I feel bored, and I'm discontented. All of this has sort of come at once. I also feel that I just don't know how to pray. I've really had a hard time praying. Today it all seems to be too much. God help me, I feel like I'm gonna go under, but I know I probably won't. Well, I trust that you're doing something, underline something, but I sure don't know what it is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you, you just wait. <laughs> Probably wanting a greater degree of abandonment for me, I guess. I've, I'm not sure that I can do it, but I'm willing to let you do it if you want to. Dave always feels I'm at fault, and it's never him. To be honest, this is really hard, underline really hard on my flesh. But I don't suppose it matters much. It's all pride anyway. <laughs> Now here, here comes the really sad part. I'm really sorry to have to report that I've had to tell the Lord tonight that I have gone as far as I can go. I quit. That's it, done, finished. Two years ago I said, God, take me as deep as you want to. I'm willing to do whatever you need me to do, but I really do not want to go on like this. For the second time I said, I'm telling you that I have gone as far as I can go. <laughs> I don't know for sure if I can get out of this. God may not let me out, but I never really thought I would back down. So on top of everything else now, it seems that I am a spiritual coward. <laughs> I was in a mess to say the least, December the 26th, 1989. Well, apparently, nine years later, on December the 20th, 1998, I came across this. So, nine years later, I wrote, I was reading this old notebook and thought I would give you guys an update. <laughs> Things have changed drastically. I'm now on 375 television stations, 250 radio stations. <laughs> Come on. Come on, you gotta make it through the hard part to get to the good part. Our ministry's very successful. I've changed drastically. I enjoy peace almost continually. I've continued all these years to have some health struggles, but in the midst of it all, God has given me grace to do all he's called me to do. It has been hard at times, but I can say from experience that God is faithful. I have four grandchildren, which are now 11, and, I'm, uh, and one more on the way. My youngest son had just gotten married. Dave and I love each other very much. We get along really good almost all the time. That's what, that's what nine years will do for you. So I hope that me sharing that personal side of my life will help you to realize that we all feel like giving up sometimes. We all go through times where we feel like God is one million miles away when we don't have any idea what he's doing, when we're tired, when we're weary, when we think we just can't go on. But no matter how many times you threaten to give up, I can already tell you that God's not gonna put up with that. He'll keep coming after you and 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 keep coming after you. And he's gonna work with you and help you be all that he wants you to be, no matter what. So we're gonna talk about suffering today because I want you to make it all the way through to the end. You see, the beginning is exciting, the end is exciting for the few who ever get there, but it's the middle that's hard. So we have to take the time to talk about the middle and all the things that you go through that you don't talk to anybody about or you feel you can't talk to anybody about because if you did talk to anybody about it they probably would judge you and so we keep our secrets and we hide in these dark places and 
we wonder if we're going to survive. But God is always there with us. He sees everything. He knows everything. And God has got an amazingly, unbelievably good plan for your life. And so I just encourage you to make it through the hard part so you can get to the good part. Amen. Now, the number one reason why people who say they don't believe in God don't believe in God is because they can't understand why there is so much suffering and evil in the world. They say if God is a good God, then why do all these bad things happen? Well, let me just throw out for your consideration today that demanding to know why everything happens is probably about the worst thing in the world that any of us can do. God's not gonna give you all the answers. He's not gonna give me all the answers. There's gonna be things that happen that seem so unfair that you just feel like you can't stand it. I can't explain them all to you. Nobody else can explain them all to you. We can't say we well, didn't have enough faith or you this or you that or you something else. Because sometimes it seems to be pretty random concerning what happens to who. We recently had a, a real tragic flood in, right in my neighborhood. I was out of town. I mean, it was, wasn't going to affect our house because we don't live in a low area. But we know people that lost everything. And one of them is a beautiful young girl that works for us. She heads up our medical missions and just has a great heart, hasn't been married all that long, has got a, a child, or she, does she have two? She has two by now, and so uh, they lost everything, everything, all the furniture, all the house, everything. And you could probably walk right down the street, and there'd be some evil, wicked, miserable person who didn't lose anything. Well, you're not going to figure that out. I mean, saying why is just pretty much useless. And I don't think God wants to hear so many whys. I think he wants to hear, I trust you. I don't understand this, this hurts. I feel like it's gonna kill me, but I trust you. And I believe God that no matter what happens, you can and will work it out for good if I will keep my eyes on you. Can I tell you that there are a lot of mysteries hidden in God. The Bible talks about the mysteries of God and the mysteries of Christ like numerous times. There's like nine, ten scriptures that you can pull out about the mysteries of God. And in 1 Corinthians, it says we know in part, we prophesy in part, but the day will come when we will know even as we are known. Some of the things we think we want to know, if we knew, we wouldn't even like what we found out. So we need to trust God that if he wants us to know something, we'll know. And if not, it's not our job to figure it out. It's our job to trust him. I'll tell you what, I feel so sorry for people. I mean, genuinely sorry for people who are so mental that they just can't stand to not have all the answers to everything. It is absolute torment to have to spend your life trying to figure everything out. And I know because I was the queen of why, God, why. And I'll tell you what you get from that, confusion. Nothing but confusion. The Bible says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and mind. Lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways, just acknowledge him and he will direct your path. I don't understand why my dad sexually abused me for 15 years. I don't understand why my mother didn't do something about it, why she abandoned me to the situation and was so cowardly she wouldn't confront my dad. I don't understand why God didn't get me out of it because I was born again as a nine-year-old child and I prayed that God would get me out of there. I mean, I prayed things I probably shouldn't have prayed. I prayed that my dad would die. I prayed that my mother would divorce him. I prayed a lot of things. I just wanted to get out of the suffering. But it didn't happen the way that I wanted it to happen. God didn't get me out of it, but he gave me the grace to go through it. And I'll tell you something, I'm like a bulldog. I mean, I am strong, amen? And so when you're going through hard things, you got two choices. You can give in and give up, 
or you can get strong. I love what the Bible says, and I think it's in, see if I can find this real quick. I think it's Psalm 105, 125. We'll see here. See how my memory is. Yep. 105, 18. For it starts with 17. It's talking about Joseph and the things that he went through and how unfair they were. He sent a man before them, even Joseph, who was sold as a servant and a slave. His feet they hurt with fetters. He was laid in chains of iron and his soul entered into the iron. Now, some of you are just like, well, what does that mean? Well, I'll tell you what. When he had those chains on his feet and his arms and he was suffering all this stuff that was so unfair and so not right. And he was just a young guy with a dream. I mean, he loved God and he had a dream. The next thing he knew, he was in prison for something he didn't do. He was in chains. But it said, and you know, by the way, there's no evidence in the Bible that Joseph ever had a bad attitude. There's no evidence that he ever did anything except trust God. And the interesting thing was, was that every place the guy went, God gave him favor and he ended up in charge. I mean, he even ended up in charge of the prison. That's not a bad deal. You know that? But when it says that his soul entered into the iron, what I think about is that that iron, that suffering he was going through got mixed in with his soul and it made him so strong inside that he could do everything that God wanted him to do and ended up being a great blessing to many, many, many multiplied millions of people. So I can just tell you, I got a little iron in my soul. Amen. And I believe that we can do anything that God gives us to do, but the one thing we cannot do is give up when it gets hard. I don't understand why God didn't deliver me out of that, but I tell you what, there's millions of people all over the world that have been sexually abused that are glad that I can talk about it now in the way that I talk about it. And I don't know, you, you may not like this. I, I hope I don't offend anybody today, but I think sometimes God will let us go through something that he could deliver us from because he intends to use us to deliver other people from that same thing. Amen. Paul said all the time, I'm suffering for your sake. I'm going through this for your sake. And even like when he was in prison, he wanted the people to watch how he handled himself when he was in prison so they knew that if they were persecuted for their faith and put in prison, that they could also go through that and they would make it. The world needs to see something other than cowards. The world needs to see people that will stand up and not run away from every hard place in life, but will say, in the midst of all of their trouble, God is good, and I trust Him, and I love Him, and He will bring me out of this, and I will have victory in my life. I don't know what you might be going through today, but I want you to know that God knows what you're going through today. And He knows every little bit of pain that you've got. He knows every tear that you've cried. And I know you've asked him many times, why did my loved one die? Why did I lose my job? Why did I lose my retirement? Why did my house burn down? Why, did, why was my house destroyed? Why, 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 why? You know what? Trade all those whys for God, I trust you. God, I trust you. I don't know why, but I love you enough that I don't have to know why. I'll tell you what, I believe that God is good. And I don't care what the devil tries. I don't care what the world does. I don't care what wicked, evil people do. My God is a good God. And I believe that anybody who doesn't believe in him is making a serious mistake in their life. You can't just believe, believe God when you're on the mountaintop. You gotta know how to make it through the valleys and stay victorious in your life. So. Let's dig into this a little bit today. I've probably got a four-part series here and what, I didn't pay attention to when I started. So when's this service supposed to be over, Joel? <laughs> huh? Okay, 1230. All right. I can preach a four-part message in 25 minutes, can I? 
When we stick with someone or something that we would prefer to run away from, we suffer in our souls. And I don't know about you, but I think real severe emotional pain is much worse than some kind of physical pain. I mean, I'd rather have a bad headache any day than a broken heart. I mean, at least when you've got something going on in your flesh, you can maybe go get some medicine for it, but when it's in your soul, God's the only one that can take care of it. Amen. To be honest, I can't even imagine what Dave went through trying to stay married to me the first few years that we were married. And I mean, I know that sounds funny, but honestly, I was a mess. I was really a mess. And you know, there's a lot of funny stories connected with Dave and I had five dates and got married. Well, you know, that's not too bright, but I think we had to do it quick before he found out what I was like. I mean, there was, there was no time there to waste. And the very night he met me, he said that God, that he said to God, that's the girl for me. So, I mean, it was really a divine thing for us, you know. I mean, really, it truly was. And God had him prepared. He was very spiritually strong, very mature. And he had him prepared to deal with me, this broken-hearted girl who did love God but had so many wounds in my soul. Well, I know that Dave was not comfortable a lot of those years, that it was hard. Let me tell you something. Sometimes, just like Jesus suffered for us, God will call on you to be uncomfortable or to suffer in your soul in order for somebody else to be brought into the kingdom, to be set free. We're never gonna be used by God if we think everything's gotta be comfortable for us all the time. Don't run away from things. Only leave when you know God's saying leave. The word suffer means to stay under. Stay under some things that maybe you'd prefer to get away from. Dave was a strong Christian and I don't, you know, he didn't have divorcing me in his mind, but I know that it had to be very hard sometimes. But I want you to fast forward now 49 years. We've been married 49 years. And I want you to see what a fine wife he has now. I mean, just look what he would have missed if he would have given up on me. <laughs> I told Dave the other day, because I am so feisty, I told Dave the other day, I said, Dave, if anything ever happened to me, you could never get married again, because if you married anybody normal, you would be bored to death. <laughs> he said, no, you're right, I don't think anybody could top you, so... When we stick with someone or something that we would prefer to run away from, we suffer in our souls. To suffer means to finish your goal even though you experience adversity. You see, I'm big on finishing. It's not hard to start something. Everybody claps and cheers when you start. They think your ideas are great ideas. They don't plan to help you get them finished, but they think they're good ideas. But you're gonna have to go through things. I don't care whether you start a business, whether you're raising a child, you wanna get married, you wanna have a good marriage, you wanna get your home paid off, you wanna be in ministry, whatever it is, you're gonna get some opposition from Satan. A wide door of opportunity opened unto me, Paul said, and with it, many adversaries. I think that we have to toughen up a little bit in the church today and not be so quick to run away from things. This is another whole series of messages, but I did a whole series of teachings on running, running away from stuff. And you know, there are several great stories in the Bible where people ran from things that were hard and every single time they ran, they ended up in the wilderness and then eventually, God made them go back and face the very thing that they ran from. It happened to Hagar, it happened to Moses. I mean, there's just so many people that the same thing happened to. They ran, they were miserable in the wilderness. God appears sometimes years later, he said to Moses, now go back to Egypt. He said to Hagar, now go back to your mistress and submit to her control. Well, how do you like that? Nobody likes that. 
I want you to go pop them upside the head, God, not make me go back and just put up with it. You all still okay out there? Well, why didn't God just make a world where there was no evil or suffering? Well, he did. Day one, Garden of Eden. <laughs> Everything was great. It wasn't God that messed it up. Man messed it up. Well, and let's don't get mad at Adam and Eve. We would have done the same thing if we would have been there and probably quicker than they did. God wanted us to love him. And in order for there to be love, there always has to be free choice. You can't have love without free choice. Don't ever expect anybody to love you that you try to control. Don't ever expect anybody to love you that you try to control. They'll just resent you. Even if you're successful in controlling them, they will resent you. So God gave man free choice. So when he gave us free choice, he knew there was the possibility of evil. That wasn't his will. He said, you've got all this. I'm only asking you not to do this one thing. Loads of freedom. There's only one thing that God doesn't want you to do. Because if you do that, it's not going to be good for you. Well, they did it anyway. And you know the story. It's not God's fault that there's wickedness and evil in the world. It's not his fault. Don't blame your problems on God. Now, half of the scriptures about suffering, half of them, which this is really good news, are all about God delivering us from suffering. Woo, see, look, look how excited you got. I didn't get any woo when I said there's 175 scriptures about suffering. But when I said half of them are about God delivering you from suffering, whoo, yeah, amen. However, not one of those says when. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but God delivers them out of them all. When? Be not weary in well-doing, for in due season you shall reap, if you faint not. When? <laughs> so why is it that sometimes we get ourselves in a mess? Because all suffering is caused by sin. It's either our sin, it's somebody else's sin. In my instance, it was my father's sin that caused my suffering. It was my mother's sin that caused my suffering. A great deal of our suffering comes from things that other people do. We'd like to think they're all unbelievers, but that's not even true. A lot of them are Christians. And that really stinks. Amen. And then there's just the sin principle at work in the world. And so there's just evil in the world. And, and you know, I've been thinking about this. How many of you can tell that wickedness and evil just seems worse than ever in the world today? I mean, I, it's hard for me to even believe in the number of years that I've been alive, how it is multiplying. But here's kind of what I've been thinking lately. I think the more time that goes by, the more wickedness and evil the devil being behind all that has a chance to work and it just keeps multiplying and multiplying. And I believe, this is my opinion, I'm not starting a new doctrine, I believe that even a lot of the weird weather and the floods and the storms, I think a lot of it is the earth just groaning under the weight of sin. The Bible says that even the earth is waiting for the redemption of the sons of men. That the earth groans under the weight of sin. But here's what God's asking of us. We are the light of the world. And all God wants us to do is get out there in our little corner of it and shine. Amen? And part of that shining is not complaining. We learned that in the first service. Part of that is letting people know, and I'm not saying preach them a sermon, 
Yeah, I'm going through a really hard time right now. I don't understand why this happened. I don't understand why, why this happened, but I trust God. Let people know you trust God. God is good and I trust God. I believe that he'll work this out for my good. Let me tell you something. If we will get out in the world and start acting like Christians instead of acting like all the people that aren't Christians, they've got to be able to tell a difference between us and them. We got to show them something that they want. We're not going to impress anybody if we never have any problems. Jesus said, in the world, guess what? You will have tribulation. Cheer up. I have overcome the world. You know what? We've already read the end of the book. We know what's going to happen. Here's an interesting thought. You know, you don't have to win every single battle to win the war. We've already won the war. I don't win every single battle that I have, but even that I trust to God. And I know that he'll mix it all together and work it all together and it's all gonna work out good in the end. You know what? What I went through as a child was absolutely terrible, terrible, horrible. Every once in a while my mind will drift back to some of the things that my dad did to me and I just think, ugh. I remember how I hated him. Just, oh, how I hated him. And God gave me the grace to take care of him the last 10 years that he was alive and to lead him to Christ and to baptize him. Don't let the devil win. What kinds of things do Christians suffer? Well, first of all, the Bible says that we will be persecuted for being Christians. That means people are going to come against you. They're going to oppose you. We tried to look up some definitions during the break for the word persecution, and one of them said to be exterminated. <laughs> and I thought that was interesting. You know, like you call out the exterminator to get rid of the bugs. Well, you know, Satan would love to exterminate us. And he uses persecution hoping to do it. Mark 4, 17 says, and there are Christians who have no real root in themselves, so they endure for a little while. Then when trouble or persecution arises on account of the word, they immediately are offended, become displeased, indignant, resentful, and they stumble and they fall away. These are the Christians who never grow up. They never get any iron in their soul. All they have is bitterness and resentment and they're offended and they don't understand why am I going through this? It's not fair, it's not right. 2 Timothy 3.12, I love this one. I love it when I find it. Indeed, all who delight in piety and are determined to live a devoted and a godly life in Christ Jesus will meet with persecution, will be made to suffer because of their religious stand. Now, let me tell you something. You, you can get out in the world and be a, a carnal Christian and you won't get much opposition. In other words, you can live, you can behave like everybody else, go to church on Sunday, get out, behave like everybody else, go to church on Sunday, and you, you're not gonna get a lot of opposition. But when you start taking a stand, when you start living a godly life, people are gonna get convicted by your life and they're not gonna like it, so they're gonna come against you. When God called me to teach the word, I was in a religious denomination that did not believe that a woman could do this. And I didn't know that. So I was kind of already doing it when they told me I couldn't. And uh, I got asked to leave my church. I got what's called the left foot of fellowship. And uh, our whole life revolved around that church. I don't even know how to begin to tell you how hard that was for me. The pain that I had in my soul. Because I just felt like I was just trying to do the right thing and obey God. Now all of a sudden I've lost almost all my friends. 
Family members turned. I mean, everybody thought that I had gone stark, raving mad. But you know what? I believe that sometimes God will use one person to blaze a trail for other people that are going to come behind. I think of the few women who ever really did anything great, Amy Simple McPherson, Catherine Kuhlman, when I started doing what I'm doing, there were a handful of women, but there was nothing compared to the army of women that God is using today. And so what if God causes you to be a trailblazer? You know, the first one who does anything, you can bet you're going to get opposition. Even people who created antibiotics, they, I mean, they got all kinds of opposition. The light bulb. I mean, anytime you try to do anything good, even stuff that's going to help people, I mean, the devil has a fit. You know why? Here's why. He despises progress. Any kind of progress. You join a weekly Bible study. Hey, you'll get some opposition from somewhere. Something will come along. I remember when I first started really dedicating myself to spending time with God every morning. I had kids by then that were a teenager. And every morning I would go up to my room and uh, I didn't cook breakfast. I went to my room. I studied. I prayed. I sought God. And I remember one of my kids complaining about one. Well, you know, can't you come out of that room once in a while? Can you come down here and make some breakfast? I said, listen, you better thank God I'm in this room. Your life is going to be a lot better if mama goes to her room. <laughs> It's going to be a lot better if I go to my room. You better say, Mom, stay in your room. I said, you are 15 years old. You can put cereal in a bowl and pour milk on it. You don't need me down there to wait on you. And you think the devil didn't yell in my ear? Oh, what kind of a mother are you? You know, you travel, you this, you that, you something else. You're not a normal woman. Well, I heard that till I was just fed up with it. Well, you know what? I was not a normal mother, but I was a good mother. And I'm not a normal wife, but I'm a good wife. Come on, you got to get some iron in your soul. You got to fight back a little bit. When I first started going to the gym and working out, for seven years, I went to the gym three times a week, 10 o'clock every morning. I mean, it was a huge commitment, but I knew that God had told me I had to do that if I wanted to be strong for the last third of my journey. So I was really doing it in obedience to God. Well, now I've been at it for 11 years and I have a trainer that comes to my house now and it's easier, but I remember my, my son who is a CEO of all of our media and he's over all the, the stateside stuff, our other sons over all the foreign stuff and he wanted me to do something one day and it was... It was my morning to work out. I said, no, I can't do that. He said, for crying out loud, is everybody going to have to work their whole life around your workout schedule? I said, yeah. Because <laughs> I'm going to do it. I'm going to work out. And you know what? If you don't get determined about what you're going to do, somebody will, get, will take it away from you. <laughs> Why? Why can't? We do what we want to do sometimes. <laughs> we don't always have to do what everybody else wants us to do. Why do I have to change my appointment for you? You change your appointment for me. Mark 10, 29 and 30. Oh my gosh, I got six minutes. Well, we're on point one, that's good. <laughs> hey, I got my next seminar all worked out here. <laughs> oh, this is so good. Jesus said, truly, I tell you, there's no one who has given up and left houses or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospels who will not receive a hundred times as much now in this lifetime. Hang on before you clap. Houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecution. <laughs> Whoops. 
Oh yeah, whatever you give up, God's going to bless your socks off, but it's going to come with persecution. You say, well, what's that? Let me tell you something. When you're successful and you're blessed, people that you would love to be excited for you are going to be jealous. It's hard when, you're, when God does something to bless you and you'd love to be able to share it with somebody and you can't even find anybody that's going to be happy for you and not be jealous. And you know what I tell people? Don't ever want what somebody else has got if you don't want to do what they did to get it. Amen. Well, it must be nice for you. Oh, I love what the Apostle Paul said. From now on, let no man trouble me. I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Whew. I'm excited. Now I got to find a way to get out, get out of this, and I'm not sure how to do it. My pages are stuck together. Well, maybe they're not. I don't know. We suffer evil because of all the evil people in the world. We suffer loss, loss of reputation, loss of friends, loss of jobs, home, money, different things. But whatever the devil takes, the Bible says clearly he's got to give it back seven times over. I mean, it kind of seems to me like when he takes something, he's putting us in a, in a position for promotion. It's like, thank you. Now I'll get seven times that back. I mean, Job had a horrible mess, but in the end, he got back double everything that he gave up. The Bible says that when we suffer injustice, that God will give us double blessing for our farmer trouble. Double for your trouble. And I know that God has done that in my life. I, I can't work it out on paper, but I know my life is better because of what I went through than it would have been if I hadn't have. Like I said, I can't really work that out on paper, but how many of you know that some of the really hard things that you have gone through in life have actually turned out to be some of the best things that ever happened to you? Look at that. Look at that. What smart people you have here, Pastor Joel. They get it. My gosh, if you're that smart, then I don't have to come back. I'm kidding. I like it here. We have the privilege of trusting God. No matter what we're going through, we have the privilege of trusting God. All things work together for good. All things, all things work together. Not all things are good, but all things work together far good to those who love God who are called according to his purpose, that's who wants his will, and it doesn't say it in that verse, but it says it many other places, and who trust him. Put your trust in God. Don't ever blame God for the wickedness and the evil in the world. And try not to live your life saying, why God, why? Replace a lot of that with, look, God, I trust you, I know you're good, and I know this is gonna work out right. Amen. Give God a big praise. Wasn't my little journal story hilarious? I just, I hate to have to tell you this, God, but I'm quitting. You know what, if you're here today and you don't have a personal relationship with this wonderful God that we're talking about, please don't leave here today without receiving forgiveness for your sins and committing your life to Christ. It is, it is a commitment. When you receive Christ as your Savior, I think there's a lifestyle that comes along with it that you need to learn how to live. But God is so good, and why would anybody not want to be in relationship with Him through Christ? Jesus died for your sins. He took your punishment. He paid the debt that you owed. And His arms are open wide, wide, wide this morning to receive you, to love you into wholeness, and to help you through every difficulty that you go through in life. 
If you're here this morning and you say, Joyce, I need to receive Christ as my Savior. I want him in my life. I am sorry for my sins, and I want to know Jesus. I want to spend the rest of my life getting to know Jesus. I've wasted a lot of it, but what's left, I want to give it to Jesus. Or if you're here today and you say, you know, Joyce, I've, uh, I've tried to serve God and I've fallen back into sin. I'm in a backslidden state. And I want to recommit my life to Christ today. I want, I want to do this right. I'd like to pray with you. If that's you, would you slip your hand up and let me see where you're at today? Come on, nice and high. Thank you. Bless you, bless you, bless you, bless you. All over the place. My goodness, all over the place. Okay, now listen, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. We're not going to bring you down to the front and make this long and drawn out. The church has a book they want to give you, but I want to pray with you, and I'm going to ask you to stand up. You say, well, why do I need to do that? Because if you won't take a stand in here with us, you're not going to go out in the world and take a stand. So if you mean business, standing up is not going to be a problem. So if you lifted up your hand, you want to pray this morning, let's stand up right where you're at, everybody. Awesome! Woo! All over the place, up here in the balconies, people are standing. My goodness, what a great day. Okay, if we could just hold on the books until we get done with the prayer, I would appreciate it. Let's all pray this prayer together with them so they feel nice and comfortable, okay? Now think about what you're saying, folks. You're giving your life away. Say, Father God, I love you. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you died for me. Shed your blood for me. You paid for my sins. I believe in you, Jesus. I know that I'm a sinner and I'm sorry for the way I've lived. Forgive me. Cleanse me. Make me brand new inside. I receive you, Jesus, as my Savior and my Lord. And I surrender my life to you. Take me just the way I am. Now make me what you want me to be. I believe you love me. I believe I'm saved. And I'm excited about our journey together. Amen. God bless you. Thank you. Thanks for having me back again. I'll be here in November. Come to my conference. Let's tell Joyce that we love her. Can we do that? Amen. Thanks, Joyce. Why don't we all stand? Let me just declare something over you. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause His face to shine upon you and give you peace. God bless you. Have a great week.